This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Aaron is uh, giggly. <laughs> I'm trying to figure like out how I'm going to work remnants into this segment. Paul, big oh, remnants. Yes, a word we use during the break. Paul brought up the word remnants as our word of the day, as part of our word of the day. Why don't we have a word of the day uh, for the show? Like, could we like get that bit going? Would that be fun at all? Yeah, this is going to be a new bit. Word of the day. I like it. Yeah, it'll probably be from all, one of our break conversations. But... Yeah, you can't force yeah. it though. Like it right. has to come up organically. Yeah. Right. Not a pre, uh, not right. a pre-planned word. No. Yeah. And no. 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 Like I'm not gonna come up and say obstreperous. Like I'm not gonna do that. Be silly like that. But whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do anything. I have to Google to know what it means. Yeah, I think it'll be <laughs> oh, more like so from a word our... you know, a word used during a break, and then anytime someone uses it on the show, we ring a bell or something. <laughs> Is that how we'll do this? Yeah, I'm not sure the. I'm not sure exactly the payoff, but like based on the conversation, some of these words come from. I think that's enough of a payoff. So it's just like hashtag sexual innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Me and Aaron, will, me, me and Aaron will provide those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That's all we got for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So remnant right. is a favorite. Let's not do word of the day. Use it, like, yeah. the day. Use it <laughs> in a bet. Favorite. Can yeah, we right. use sizable favorite? That would have been a good one yesterday. <laughs> Be Washington, one Washington has a sizable favorite. Yep. Yeah, there's that. Mm. Cool. All right, Jaguars and Saints. Saints are two and a half point favorites. The total is forty. The public, uh, pretty good about backing the Saints. Fifty-one percent of the bets uh, are with the Saints. The handle fifty-nine percent in that direction. But boy, the public loves the under. Seventy-three percent of the bets. Seventy-five percent of the handle. Joe, what stands out to you here? Oh, man. I don't know. When the public's on and under, that scares me a little <laughs> bit. But I, but I understand why the public is on the under. It's going to be Bethard or it's going to be a compromised Lawrence. And just matchup-wise, you know, it's not just the Saints defense. Like, it's enough of a sample size. We can talk about how good this Jacksonville Jaguars defense has been this year, right? And mm-hmm. so on the Jaguars side, their offense has not – reached what we thought they would at this point and the saints offense has had their struggles and we have two legitimate top 10 defenses saints i'd put top five but jaguars you can put them top 10 that's certainly fair um both of them stopped the run epa per rush jaguars number two in the nfl new orleans number four success rate to both top 10 dvoa both top 10 epa per play on defense saints number five Jaguars number nine. So I don't think we talk about that that enough. Um, there's no way I'd play the over 40 guys. 
There's no chance. <laughs> You're playing a total. I'm only going under, even though it is such a low, low number, and it's not one of these games that we'll be talking about this weekend. We are dealing with some sort of elements. Like, yeah, 23-17, okay, that sounds kind of on the high end of what I'd expect for this game. So if I'm playing side or total, I'm definitely going under 40. I agree with the public. And that scares me because it could be that week where 61% unders, everybody's talking about the unders, the red zone scoring, the backup quarterbacks, lower totals, and then a bunch of overs end up hitting. But as far as this specific matchup tonight, I don't see it. I'm playing the under. Mm -hmm. And you've talked about how the public has done well so far this season. Maybe they're right here again <laughs> with the under. I don't hate that at all. Picking a side, though, I don't love. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to make. I mean, who are the Saints offensively? I mean, do they even have an identity? I think they're still trying to figure that out. In terms of Jacksonville, I mean, they've been playing well, but now you've got Trevor Lawrence with a knee injury. How bad is it? Can he get some kind of shot to get him through this game? Is he even going to play? So many question marks here. I'll probably just stick to props. Um, I think you can look to the Saints side is where I'm going to be looking to expose this Jacksonville yeah. defense. This is something where the opening spread of Saints plus one and a half, I absolutely loved and was certainly wanting to hammer uh, Saints money line here. At Saints minus two and a half, I'm probably still backing them, even though I'm always apprehensive uh, when lines move that much because of quarterback news. I think oftentimes the market overreacts to such information, but I still think the Saints can win this thing comfortably here in large part because I think there's a really important matchup that the Saints should absolutely dominate here, and that is this. Trevor Lawrence, if he is in third and medium or third and long, that is going to mean some bad things in large part because on intermediate passes from 10 to 19 air yards, Lawrence has a passer rating of 84.1. That is below average. The quick passes are not going to help you here. Offensive line woes, not going to help you here as far as intermediate passes. You need just enough time to set and throw a significant distance to be able to move the sticks in such situations. And this is going to be a problem against the Saints defense that is the fourth highest success rate on intermediate passes at 62.5%. Now, this is really important. The Saints defense, they do have a couple of guys who are going to be game-time decisions, most notably Demario Davis, the linebacker. Now, normally, I don't care that much about off-ball linebackers because oftentimes the contributions they make to a defense can be picked up by other guys. But Demario Davis is such a fantastic athlete and such a standout linebacker, especially when it comes to coverage, that if he is unavailable in a game like this, then Jalen Smith, uh, maybe coming up from the practice squad, uh, an oldie but goodie, but he should be a part of the mix here, this Vaughn defense, especially the secondary, they may have to play up a little bit more to where if Davis isn't available, that I wouldn't be surprised if Lawrence tries to take a few deep shots, 20, 25 air yards. That would be a Ridley game, but I don't know if Lawrence will have enough time to be able to set his feet and throw that far, especially with that injury. So I look at this and say, live betting opportunities could be fantastic in a game like this. See what kind of protection Lawrence is getting against this Saints pass rush if Davis isn't out there. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I think the Saints can win this game by at least three. 
Okay. Um, let, let me, as far as the total, let me also throw out under 20 for the first half. That's a possibility. Sure. Both of these defenses, top five and points allowed in the first half, giving up only seven points per game. Um, now that we're out to two and a half, two at some spots, is this the start of a teaser leg? Low total game. You can get Jacksonville to eight, eight and a half. Is that a consideration, or are we worried that the Jaguars are just a no-show in this spot? I think Paul would love that. So, I don't don't know about you guys. I'm waiting. First of all, we've talked about all the Jags' offensive line. The Saints' offensive line is in shambles. They are without both their starting tackles. They are without a backup tackle. Their offensive line is all banged up, and you got the guy with the second most pressures in the NFL, Josh Allen, on the other side. So there's that angle for sure. The the remnants of the offensive line, yeah. The remnants of the Saints offensive line could have some trouble against Josh Allen. I will say, I actually like this better if Lawrence is out and we go past three. Give me the the Jags is like plus three and a half, plus four. I don't know how far it goes with CJ, and I would be comfortable taking that. I just don't think the Saints should be laying more than a field goal to anyone. As far as a teaser leg, I think I would wait to play it, though, until you – like if I play it now and Lawrence is out – I, I'm not, even though I like the Jags in the game, I don't love it as the start of a teaser leg, if that makes sense. Because um, I feel like the it could go, the outcomes are much more across the board. I could see a scoop and score at the end, sack fumble of CJ, and you know, you know they run it in, cover nine or cover eight and a half, whatever it is. Um, so if it's Lawrence, a banged up Lawrence, if Lawrence is in, are we going back to like one or a pick em? Or are we staying I here? I think one. I yeah. think one. So, I mean, you can still catch it at one. And, yeah, if you can catch it at seven and a half with Lawrence for a teaser leg, maybe that's an option. But, again, I almost almost kind of like give me a couple more points past the field goal with C.J. Beathard. But I do think there are a lot of concerns on that Saints offensive line. I don't know if they're going to score enough to blow them out. Yeah, I I would not do anything with, with uh, Kamara running. What about matchup? under Camara? That's what I was thinking. Because the Jags rank six in rush DVOA um, against yep. the run, I should say. Yeah, they're great. Um, they're, yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm thinking Camara unders. I was actually just looking it up when you brought it up. Like maybe that's the move. Alave over. The, yeah. The public agrees with you, Aaron. Uh, under 15 and a half rushing yards at minus 115 on BetMGM. A lot of folks are betting on those tickets. Uh, kind of going up against uh, what we were talking about in a couple of previous segments. Uh, you know, is it's one of those things where, like, maybe Kamara isn't efficient rushing it, but will the volume be there for him? And that, to me, is completely indicative upon game script. If Jacksonville is absolutely struggling offensively, then yeah, Kamara is going to get a ton of totes and he can get that number that way, even if it's just like two yards per carry. Yes. Yep. Uh, Speaking of players that are out, we should mention Tyson Campbell, cornerback for the Jaguars, who's been terrific, who rates very highly in in specific categories for Jacksonville. He's out. He's out. So, I mean, you're, Yes, the Saints injury list is much, much longer. But on the Jaguar side, we're talking about the most impactful play- players on the field for them. So, yeah. Uh, to uh, Paul's point about Josh Allen, I don't see a lot of sack props posted. I see one where you can go over a quarter of a sack at minus 140. Again, number two in the NFL in pressures. That makes perfect sense against this beat-up offensive line. 
Absolutely does. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, one prop that I want to talk about, uh, Derek Carr passing yards. I like the under 236 and a half. Where will the opportunities be for him? We're talking about Alvin Kamara a good bit. Can he get his rushing number? Certainly we can have that conversation again, but since he returned from his suspension, he is tied for the sixth most carries in football. And this is with an offense that we largely disrespect, but Kamara's not keeping the offense on schedule. Per next-gen stats, he has minus 23 rushing yards over expected. So he is getting the ball a lot, but he's not doing a whole lot when he gets those carries. And so that, to me, is problematic. But it also points to stubbornness where I don't see Carr throwing it that much. Now, look, Tyson Campbell isn't out there, and that might mean good things for Chris Olave. Then, okay, then maybe there are yeah. going to be some uh, deep shots off of play action. That's fine. But then that means Derek Carr is only going to throw it, what, 15, 17 times? I don't know if you get to 236 that way, Aaron. It is low for Derek Carr when we think of Derek Carr. I mean, he's capable of definitely going over that. Uh, I was looking in terms of, you know, Alave props in relation to Derek Carr passing. There's been three receivers who have gone over 95 receiving yards against Jacksonville this season. So definitely some opportunities to expose them in the <laughs> secondary. Darius Williams has not been very good. Yeah. Uh, Faraz had a good breakdown on Christian Kirk, why that should be a look mm -hmm. in this game. If you want to play a Jaguars receiver, 52 and a half is the number. Um, get plus, around two, plus 250 for an anytime touchdown there. And uh, let me know what you guys think about uh, this one. How about another running mm -hmm. back under? Like ETN is getting a lot of love because he's getting into the end zone, two touchdowns in each of his last two games. But in mm -hmm. that Colts win, he had 18 carries, only 55 rushing yards. He had 55 against Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Good, good, much better game against uh, Buffalo in London. Uh, he was terrific, 136. But this might be the time to go ETN under 66 in a hook in a very challenging matchup. A lot of yards. That's that a, is a that's lot. a big number. And most any running back, I consider that a larger number. And I wonder if some of that is just because, okay, well, we don't know what to expect from Lawrence. We don't know what to expect to Beather, but we do know we can run the ball at least somewhat efficiently. So then ETN, like, this is your game. And if there is some sentiment that on Thursday nights you run the ball more, I don't know if ETN is the running back I want to go to as far as that's concerned, but Camara might be more because of volume than anything else. I I don't think game script will dictate ETN getting that many carries to get to that number. And that front seven for the Saints is healthy. It's like the only part of the team that is. Right. And they're great. So like yeah. Even as yeah, uh, rushing plus receiving 91 and a half seems high for ETN. Yeah, I'm with you. I, these are going to be short passes by Lawrence or Bethard, right? Like, does that mean he gets like, I'm, I'd almost rather just stick with the rushing instead of the rushing and receiving because like, yeah. what if ETN has a, has a big yak catch somewhere, I can see a big it. yak play. I yeah. could see yes. that happening. Like I, I, I'd hate to add too many dimensions to something. I think we are pretty comfortable with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's the way I would I would look at it there. Uh, also, too, Christian Kirk over 52.5 receiving yards. 99% of the handle is on the over. So, big Kirk <laughs> game. 
so to speak. Uh, also big uh, Camara receiving game. That's what the public believes. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, let's be sharper about key numbers in the NFL. Three and seven. We will explain right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. On- is seven and with teasers you want to get through those key numbers and all moves are not created equal when you're going through a key number or to a key number how impactful that is but eddie gross is here to tell us you know what there are situations when three and seven aren't as key as you think ed please explain It especially is true when it comes to this season. Now, over the last five years from 2018 through 2022, 23.2% of games had a margin of victory of either three or seven exactly. But this season, the number is 19.4%, meaning 4% of fewer games are decided by exactly three or seven. Not a massive drop-off, and the season isn't over, and it's certainly possible that it could bounce back to something around what we've seen over the last five years. But still, though, you look at that 4% difference, and you go, all right, what's going on here? Is there a lesson to be learned? And as, as it turns out, there is a lesson to be learned. And one of those lessons involves two-point conversions. You think of all the different things that could happen in a football game that could keep us from getting from three to seven or with finals of three and seven points, respectively. This is something where teams are attempting two-point conversions 9.6% of the time after their touchdowns. Not the highest mark over the last few seasons, but pinpointing which teams go for two more often will be impactful as far as determining when we should discount key numbers. So let's look at our data since 2018. The teams that have gone for two at the highest rate after their touchdowns are the Jaguars, Commanders, Eagles, Giants, and Falcons. Now, it's important to note, they haven't had the same head coach this whole time, but organizationally, the philosophy of earning those extra points, that philosophy matters a great deal. And look, front offices do pick head coaches who may want to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to two-point conversion attempts. And if that's the case, then the head coach is a reflection of the front office. And so maybe a different person on the sideline, but still, though, the team believes in going for two more often. And so it's important to keep that in mind no matter who is ultimately calling the shots. Now, another way to look at this is to say, all right, great, going for two is important, fine. But some teams have to go for two more often because they're trailing or it's the end of regulation, they wanna go for the win, whatever the case may be. One of the things I did was I filtered out those situations uh, under two minutes to go in regulation, which teams are still going for two the most often. And when you do that, you are still getting the same teams. So. Five teams, when they are involved, maybe you should discount those key numbers of three and seven a little bit more often. Again, those teams, Jaguars, Commanders, Eagles, Giants, and Falcons. By the way, if you want to look at the bottom of that list, teams that don't go for two very often, you've got the Rams, the Titans, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Seahawks. 
I will make sure to put this on my Twitter handle at Ed with sports, just to make sure you can read all of this and be reminded of it. But Rams, Titans, Raiders, Chiefs, and Seahawks. These are the teams where the key numbers are preferential because they don't go for two as often. And you aren't getting these weird scores at the end of their ball games. But remember these teams and keep that in mind whenever lines are moving through key numbers or you're working on teasers. If you asked me to guess the uh, five teams that go for two the most, you gave me five chances. Maybe I get one of those five. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I guess Philly. Probably the Eagles, I probably, assume, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eagles would be the one. And the ones that don't go for two, I find just as interesting. Mm-hmm. Chargers, I probably would have thought that they go for two uh, much more often. Uh, Vrabel. Mm-hmm viewed as a very smart head coach, one of the best in the game, doesn't go for too much. McDaniel's one of the worst. He he doesn't go for too much. So that's interesting to me. Uh, yeah. a- Andy Reid, genius, does not go for – you Pat Mahomes, you don't go for two? Wait, why? why? Maybe because they're up <laughs> so much, or they have been, so they game don't script. need to. Mm-hmm. Rams, too, with McVay. That surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that oh, no, you said Rams. I, I wrote down Chargers. Yes, right. The ones well, the Chargers are kind of on the cusp of going for two more often. You would think Brandon okay. Staley, as aggressive as he is on fourth down, might also be going for two a good bit. He is higher on the list, but he's not in that top five. Gotcha. Carroll does not surprise me. Defensive-minded guy, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, but the, the ones that pop kind of are. Uh, can I have a quick follow-up? We, we sometimes yeah. reference secondary key numbers. I feel like we're at a point where almost every number is a secondary key number or it's mentioned at some <laughs> point. So there's three and there's seven. It feels like two is entering that category of secondary key numbers. Four makes sense. Mm-hmm. Six makes sense. Just look at, look at the line moves. Like four and six are, yeah, secondary key numbers. Eight a little bit too. Um, is there a... I don't know, most important secondary key number to you, or are they all bunched up the same? They can be bunched up. Uh, This is more, I guess, philosophically my idea, but I think six is also an important number just because now we're in these overtime rules where you can swip, you know, swap field goals. Ultimately, a touchdown is what's going to win the game. But once you get beyond six, if you do get into overtime, then anything beyond six isn't going to work out for you. So I think anything with that, within that range of zero to six, I would consider a bit of a key number. But you also think about the situations where you might go for two, and that also matters a great deal. One thing that a lot of us nerds talk about is if you are down 14, (laughs) score a touchdown, and then you're down eight, well, it's better to go for two there because if you do and you convert, you're down six and another touchdown means you take the lead. The Packers won the game over the Saints by doing that, by the way. But even if you don't convert on your two-point attempt and you're still down eight, well, you do it again, the odds are in your favor that you can still tie the game instead of getting two sevens to tie the game down 14. This this league is funny. I don't know if mm-hmm. what we've seen over the first six weeks is here to say, stay. And we always talk about it in sports, how things are cyclical. It's going to go the other way. And you go back a couple of years, offense, offense, offense. If you have an opening, you go for the offensive-minded guy. And I'm not saying I'm flipping on that at all. But I am saying, based on what we've seen so far, 
it does feel like these coaches are pushing up against what's been out there over the last few years or what we've learned about how aggressive to be. It seems like we're going backwards now. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's good or bad. And, and they're looking at it. Okay, lower scoring. You can win with good defense now more than we've talked about in the last few years. So I, I it's fascinating to think how the rest of this season is going to play out. It's also interesting because I know this data goes back to 2018, but just looking at the teams that go for two, they're all pretty much bad, bad teams. Except for Philly. <laughs> bad. Exactly. Giants, like, oh, Falcons, Commandos, sure Jaguars for most of that. Doing. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you know what? If you are a bad team, maybe you're trying to find an edge some way, somehow, True. you know, get yeah. that extra point that here and sense. there and then force the opposition to to get a little creative. So I think there's something Especially, to be said. Maybe if you're looking for win, going over a win total, like the commanders, for example, like they, they can be in games and will need to go for two to try to get any kind of edge they can. Right. I, the the two-point attempt in general is something where either you're a bad team and you're kind of forcing your way in. Like, let's say you're down 24 and you're scoring a touchdown and you're trying to minimize the number of possessions. That's certainly a part of the equation, right? And I'm not sure that was always part of the equation because then you'd have some old school folks going, well, you still have a bunch of time left and maybe you don't need to worry about possessions and things like that. At least we're smarter as football fans in that respect, where minimizing possessions is perhaps the most important thing. And I think also, too, like this was something Eric Eager argued uh, on Sumer Sports not that long ago, where if you're down seven, maybe you should go for two to be down five, because trailing by six is kind of this weird situation where six to five maybe doesn't matter as much as perhaps we might think, because extra points are almost always automatic. So being down six, what's the big deal? But if you can steal that extra point and you are going back and forth a good bit, maybe that five is something where you can erase that a little bit more easily than, say, a six. A coach would get killed if it doesn't work. They get destroyed, right? I know. That's why you need an Andy Reid job security situation. Right. Owners listen to stupid stuff like that. Owner owners mm-hmm. listen to what people are yelling about or their season ticket holders are upset about that. Oh, how can you dare do this? But, you know, they don't get enough credit. If it works, getting it down to five is so key. Yeah, I know. Because mm-hmm. we expect to score again. We expect to be in an, a position where we can win this game. But, yeah, it's uh, – so Jacksonville, Washington, Philly, Giants, Falcons, larger sample size. The three and the seven don't mean as much, right? Exactly. The three and the seven yeah. with those teams, that's something where you can discount those key numbers, whether it's line movements or long teasers, things like that. Keep in mind that sometimes you're going to get some really unusual scores, maybe some scorigami as well, which should all be celebrated with confetti and balloons. But other than that, you know, these numbers still matter for the most part. But again, we're seeing fewer games decided by those exact margins because these scores are getting wonky, funky, things like that. And with uh, lower scoring games, yeah, you might have more field goals. By the way, we're getting a really high rate of field goals made, aren't we? Like, I wonder if that's also part of this equation. Like, and, and it's something we haven't talked about where, okay, yeah, you know, red zone touchdowns, we're not seeing as many of them. 
But I wonder if coaches are going, well, my kicker has all of a sudden become automatic. I know we'll get the points here. So why don't I go ahead and just take them where, you know, I've always Ravens. complained about broadcasters <laughs> saying, take the points. Well, the points aren't always given. Like sometimes you miss them and you lose field position. So that's dumb. But now it does feel like you're closer to actually taking the points, quote unquote. I do that think. Was our ball. Yeah. And I yeah. think like the ownership point and also what you're talking about with the field goals, we saw kind of those converge in the Bears commanders game on Thursday night football. Fourth and one, Bears' first drive, or definitely an early drive. They're in the red zone, and Eberflus decides to kick the field goal, and he was getting destroyed, like destroyed on Twitter. But you think about the, everything around that. They had, they were moving the ball at will, which could be a case to go for it. But they've got the momentum. They're in a terrible spot, you know, from an organizational and season start standpoint. If Eberflus goes for it there and they get stopped, momentum and air comes totally out of the balloon in a gotta have it game early where they're moving the ball on the road. Like there, there's just some things that like, and I disagreed. I thought I did not have a problem with him kicking the three there. You miss a field goal. You miss a field goal. But if you go for it on fourth and one and you get stopped, like the entire, the air would have come completely out of that sideline because the week before they had done that in a key spot and they had gotten stopped. So there's just like all these and, different and they have fields in the shotgun, but like also mm-hmm. the play call matters. Sure, you know, absolutely does. But you yeah. know what? To the ownership point, if Ibraflus kicks the field goal there and they miss it, that phone isn't ringing on his in his office on Monday morning. If he goes for it on fourth down and George McCaskey has to hear about that from all his other owner buddy friends, be like, "Oh, what the hell is that? These crazy coaches these days." He's getting a phone call, and like he's probably—I mean, his job's in dire straits anyway. But at the time, right. like he's coaching for his job and what like path, like least risk reverse reward, right? For him personally and the mm-hmm. team at that point, kick the field goal. All of that goes into these decisions. Yep. And and speaking sure. of the number of field goals, it, it was not posted this earlier this morning, but I see it up there now. Both kickers tonight, one and a half field goals made. Isn't this a overplay a on at least one of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, I love that. Yeah. What are the numbers like? Longest field goal? Uh, McManus is uh, over one and a half is minus one twenty, and was it Group A? It's not bad. Group, was it? He's plus money on the over. See, especially okay, that, if Lawrence that is out, okay. like they're going to yeah. settle for three, even if Doug's right. history is Love to like be aggressive. Angle. Even if he's in, yeah. right? Yeah, he's banged up. True. Yeah. Good but when we're talking about Thursday night, though, Jaguars two and a half point dogs. If this goes through three, I don't know if that should suddenly be a, a you know, a change of heart, so to speak. And I guess that's part of my thesis here is it's at two and a half right now. The market doesn't want to budge. But if it does, maybe we shouldn't overreact to that news. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Capiche? <laughs> Good. <laughs> This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, all of our bets for Major League Baseball's postseason happening tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to the ALCS and Game 4 and our bets in just a bit. But let's start in the National League. Phillies and Diamondbacks Game 3. Philly already up two games to nothing. 
And they are favorites on the road with Ranger Suarez going up against Brandon Fought. Joe, if we leave today, right after the show, we can get some cheap tickets at Chase Field. Uh, Bob Nightingale just tweeted that the Come get-in on. price for game three of the NLCS in Phoenix has plummeted to just $15 per tick pick. Come the on! The price for game one in Philadelphia was $467. Though you do need to factor in that I think uh, living in Arizona is a little cheaper than Philadelphia. But still, $15. Okay, all right. I got to tell a Wilker story here before Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in Phoenix for, I think, like their last NLCS against the Rockies. Which would have been, what, 2007? They had the same problem there too. They could not sell the ballpark out. And it was, you know, I mean, I get that the Diamondbacks didn't have a whole lot of pub back in 07, but still it's the league championship series. This has been a problem for the Diamondbacks for a long time, just because they're down two games to nothing. That doesn't explain the lackluster fanaticism for the Diamondbacks, Joe. That makes me sick. Um, Is part of the problem the states we talk this a lot of this about um arizona florida like tampa bay we have the same conversations that those are areas and i know it's not always old people in the crowd but it is baseball it's part of the problem that a lot of people are not from there that live there and maybe they don't become diamondbacks or Rays fans and they're not really interested in these teams maybe they just go when their team goes i mean i don't know at least in this area ton of people it's like once you get a certain age, you're going to Arizona or you're going to Florida. It's it's one or the other. Um, I wonder if that's part of it. I don't that's know. That's a great, great point. Because I know just from mm-hmm. living there, too, in Arizona, like people who live there, residents get excited for spring training. Like it's something to do. But I don't think they're yeah. necessarily fans of specific team. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, let's go check out a spring training game. It's something to do. It's not like, oh, yeah, we got to go check out the Diamondbacks. (laughs) If there's one player, one pitcher, everyone wants to clamor to go see, then maybe that breaks through this whole transient thing. But ultimately, I, I think we've hit the nail on the head that Phoenix is a transient city. There aren't that many people actually from Phoenix. People kind of go there, uh, whether they're attending Arizona State or they have jobs out there, things like that. Like, I'm sure we know someone who is originally from Phoenix, but for the most part, it's a transient city. People move there and then later leave if, uh, if that's what they decide to do. And that's just how it is. Tampa, you know, maybe that's less of a case. I think part of it too is that just the in-game experience for the Rays maybe, you know, leaving something to be desired. But still though, it should yeah. not be this bad. Like how in the world, like, and this happens time and time and time again, it, it doesn't seem like th- this is why teams move. Like Phoenix can't but- keep all of their professional teams. Like it's a problem for them, unless you're talking about the Suns or the Cardinals. I mean, I the Coyotes can't say, even find a home rank. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah. If the Suns and Cardinals town, if the Suns are in the NBA right. finals or playoffs, there's way more excitement. I don't know what it okay. is about the Diamondbacks, but and and Cardinals too. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely Backs- big a team that's won at the highest of levels, too. You would think that right. some people would have jumped on board. Oh man, uh, if, if I was not, if 
I'm not a D-backs fan and I live there. I'm going to this game though. So does that mean we know home field doesn't mean anything? We've learned that. Right. Does that mean we're going to get a lot of Phillies fans there tonight? Paul's going. He's talking yeah. about it. I'm sure he knows a lot of people right. talking about it. Chomping at the bit to find a ticket. I bet you. Fly standby. Bet you we do. Bet you we do. Paul help? doesn't check bags, so that helps. <laughs> oh, that's true. He's just yep. the carry-on type. That's what he does. There you go. By the way, right. what do we do? Yeah. You know, as far as the handle for this game, 90% of it is on the Phillies here. No surprise. That's, that's insane to me. Like, you know, we, we had Sean Zerillo on shocked, yesterday. Right? I, I'm a little shocked it's that big. Like, that really? is a okay. massive number. Like, you don't have people who are just zagging where everyone else is zigging. There, there isn't much of that. We do have smart people who do believe in the Diamondbacks just this once. They may not believe in Arizona for the series, but game three, maybe that one spot where they can extend the series. And mm -hmm. it's still 90% of the handle. I'm a little surprised by that. But as far as what we should do about this game, Joe, you know, I, I hate to say just blanketly fade the public, but still I look at that number and I can't help but circle it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I would be... I was hoping you get a better number. What are we, plus 105 yeah. right now for Diamondbacks? I was hoping for a better number than that. I, I get the case. I'm looking at props. Uh, okay, well, first off, the one I do like that I'm taking a look at, Christian Walker. Okay, now he's got mm -hmm. good history against Suarez. Five for 15, three extra base hits. This season against lefties, when you look at Walker, way to runs created plus 141, 922 OPS against all lefties this season. Over one and a half total bases is plus 140. So I like that for Walker. Bullpen, bullpen game, game number four for Arizona. What does that mean for tonight? <laughs> so if Home the runs? Phillies get out to a lead, but like, does it mean, right, exactly, we'll get to that. But does it mean that that Fott will be pulled immediately? Or will they try to make him go a little bit longer because they know they are, they're going to need arms? in possibly their season on the line game and game number four. Like, how does this play out? I don't know, but Fox ERA, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a dude in the postseason, 572? Gross. Yeah. Uh, expected ERA, 461, exit 446, whereas Ranger Suarez has been pretty good uh, for the Phillies in the postseason. His ERA, 418, expected ERA, 439, exit 405. Hmm. Philly's first five. They're not even posting thoughts outs recorded. <laughs> no, they're so, not. Because yeah. it could, it perhaps could run the gamut. But to answer your question, Joe, I don't think he will be out there very long. I'm except, ex you know, expecting a short stint and probably expecting a middle reliever who won't get used today to probably have to take a big chunk out of game four. That's how I think this goes down. As far mm -hmm. as his stuff goes, thoughts, breaking balls, they're great. They are fantastic. And that's why he is a major league pitcher. Nothing else is working for him. Notice noticeably the fastballs, you know, anything else. If it's a non-breaking ball that he has to throw, it's not going to turn out well for him. Barrel rate, hard hit rate, they are not good. It could make for a bad outing. There's a play I like. It's probably the over. 
and I hate to do this for a postseason game, but if you think the Phillies are going to shellac them again or shellac the bullpen, or maybe this is a get-right spot for Diamondbacks hitters, there are a lot of paths where you can take the over nine at minus 120 on BetMGM, and I think you'll be safe. All right, let's do Phillies home runs. What are we doing? Yay! Already wrote <laughs> down three, what are we doing? and I might bet them all. You got three? Okay, what do you got? Three! Trey Turner, plus 440. Bryce Harper, best number 375. Mm, I would say most places around the 340 range. And then Castellanos, 5-1. to one. So Be not Schwarber. Such a short number. Yeah. 240 on BetMGM. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And number's tough. Not interested. Yeah tough number but man he'll but probably have someone written, he'll probably hit two right and, yeah exactly like <laughs> no. if you want to do two home runs for Schwarber uh like look I think this is going to go over this is going to be a higher scoring postseason game maybe it's because Schwarber hits multiple dingers that's certainly a possibility but there's actually someone who Aaron didn't write down who I really like I hate doing this, but I think I'm going to run it back with Brandon Marsh. I think he hits a home run today at plus 575. He seems to be the best Phillies hitter against sweepers. And I think mm -hmm. Fought's probably going to try and throw a few of those. And that's going to be a problem against Marsh. When nothing else is working or getting into the zone, he may be forced to throw a sweeper. And I think that'll be the opportunity for Marsh to crash or to you know hammer one. So I like him to hit a home run, Joe. All right, good. I see a plus 650 out there. So that's pretty nice. Nice. All right. I uh, got like some good it. angles I for like that it. one. All right. What about Rangers Astros? Got a series now? Sure uh, do. You guys were right. You totally called it. I think yesterday, Scherzer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah Fade Scherzer. Everything will be just fine. Now we have Urquidy against Haney. This might be more of a bullpen game for the Rangers. What do you think? Yeah, that would that would make a lot of sense. Um, look, there there are a few different angles to go here. Now, against Urquidy, there are a couple of Rangers hit, hitters, including Simeon. Great history. He's 7 sure. for 18, four extra base hits, two home runs. Uh, the K-prop for Haney is only uh, three and a hook. Well, it's, actually, it's three and a half for everybody pitching today. By the way, mm -hmm. all four starters of course it uh, is. going today. Uh, Abreu has smoked him, just demolished him, and he's having a good playoff. He has four home runs. He's five for 19. They're all extra base hits. He's driven in nine runs. You can always get good plus money on an RBI if you want to go there. But um, against lefties, there are a couple of Astros that certainly pop. We talk about it all the time for years and years. Anytime you have the Astros going against the lefty, you want to take a look at, at, uh, at some of those numbers because they usually smash. Now, Tucker is great. He's got a 154 weighted runs created plus against lefties. And you know who really pops? Chaz McCormick. Fifth mm. best weighted runs created plus in all of baseball against left-handed pitching. Love it. Cider total, Aaron. I'm almost looking at first five over four and a half. It's juice, though. Okay. Wouldn't hate that. I'm sticking Wouldn't props. 
Okay. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Kenny Ducey will let us know how well we did with our conversation. He will go over his favorite angles for today's games right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily.